You're listening to the most fraudulent F1 podcast with Dan, aka Engine Mode 11. I secretly moonlight as Helmut Marco at race weekends. And Blake, aka Break. Echo chambers of farts and idiots on Twitter after races. It's the engine breaking F1 podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've actually remembered to do a podcast this time. Hey. Hey. That's a good start, isn't yeah. it? Black cat. Is this good luck or bad luck? I don't know. But hopefully it's not the other cat who killed my watch along stream on Sunday. I was live for 20 seconds and Barry lays on the keyboard as it's hovering over the stop stream button. And I was like, yeah, guys, GG's. I mean, to be fair, if we're talking about the Qatar Grand Prix, might as well just ended it before it started, to be fair. Yeah, don't work with children or animals, I think is what they say, didn't they? And <laughs> I, uh, I, we can vouch for the, the both of them. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway... Anyway, lead us lead us into this week's show. What do we what do we got? Who who what are we doing here? Uh, we are doing a podcast, probably the number one most fraudulent podcast about F one in all of the land. Mm. Uh, I am Dan, aka Engine Mode Eleven. Did six years working at Red Bull. Ninety nine percent you know this already. Uh, and my beautiful colleague is Blake, who did twelve oh. years in F one. I always, uh, ten, ten, always forget ten eleven. Yeah. Episode 39, I still have no fucking clue what your credentials are. Yeah, to be fair, I feel like after the last couple of years of doing full-time content creation around Formula 1, I haven't left. I just basically took a pay cut, a 100% pay cut to do Formula 1 content. It's great. Yeah. My boss, absolute wanker. He's me, by the way. Uh, but yeah. Not the cats. No. Now, Barry is incompetent and sterling. Uh, can't even poo in the box sometimes. So. There you go. So and, yeah, not not much different from F one then. And in case you wonder, before we get into like this, this is this is Dan and I's way of just winding down and catching up about the world of Formula One and sharing our delusional insights with you guys. And there are some technical insights, and I think you will find a lot of enjoyable uh, things from this podcast. But I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the other the other week, my girlfriend was like, "Hey, we should um, you know, like just run the uh, robot vacuum like every day in the morning on a schedule." <laughs> and I was like. We really shouldn't do that. And she's like, why not? I'm like, well, you know, I talked about it. And it was, she's like, yeah, but I was like, okay, well, I'll just run it in the morning when I'm home. I'll run it every morning. And then sure enough, I messaged her one day and my message says, it's happened. And she's like, what do you mean? And I sent her a photo. Our Roomba called Kevin uh, had ingested one of Sterling's protests and smeared it all over the downstairs of our house. So anyway, back, yes. to, back to Formula One. You uh, uh, drew, drew the Qatar circuit in cat <laughs> shit all over your floor, basically. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was horrible. I was so mad. But anyway, we, we move. We move. Um, but yeah, we've, we've had a little, a little hiatus. Um, life happens. Uh, I, I went away for a bit. Uh, we've been busy for a bit and we're back. Welcome back. Um, and we've got a great race called the Qatar Grand Prix to go through for you guys. And then at the end, of there's a lot of you guys hanging out. Because also, if you listen to this on audio platforms, we do record these things live on YouTube. And we're a little bit chaotic with our schedule. Keep in touch with us on Engine Mode 11 on Twitter. Break on Twitter. Engine Breaking Pod on Twitter. Or you, you'll find us. You'll find us. And uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop. And also, our Instagrams and stuff are usually great places to do that. However... Today we got a little bit of news. We'll go through the Qatar Grand Prix, and then if there's plenty of you guys hanging around and you've got some questions and some some burning thoughts that you'd like to discuss uh, from the swamps of the internet, 
after the episode, hang around on the podcast and we'll hang out with you guys and chat a bit. So uh, why don't we get into it? Let's send it. Send it. And uh, <clears throat> there you go. That was my jazzy news uh, intro bumper there. Just me coughing off mic. <laughs> time for breaking news. <clears throat> it's time. <clears throat> Listen, it's happened. Aston Martin have finally grown a pair of balls and they've decided to actually put the Valkyrie into the WEC hypercar class, which I am actually very pleased about. I was so disappointed when I saw this car because obviously we were around at the time it was being built yep. and there was mock-up models and things like that in Milton Keynes. And every time I walked past it, I always said, if this thing doesn't race at Le Mans, it's a fucking travesty. Yeah, but I think one of the interesting things is to note, this kind of goes full circle because Aston Martin and RBPT, but you know, both of them together, they effectively were heavily involved in the, as far as I'm aware, heavily involved in the hypercar regulations development. So, you know, they're out there talking about this stuff and they're thinking about the Valkyrie being uh, a Lamar prototype hypercar. And that's why, you know, at one point, in the, the WEC hypercar regulations, we were supposed to have these things that looked like hypercars, not prototype cars is what they look like now. And that's one of the things, like you look at the Valkyrie, and it is that thing. It is literally the prototype car that's a hypercar, not these, I mean, they're, they're pretty they're pretty schnazzy, but they are just prototype race cars. They don't look like, there's nothing discernible that relates them to a, a road car that of their namesake. It's literally a Toyota car a Ferrari car, you know, what, what's the other one? Yeah. The, the Glickenhaus or whatever. Yeah. yeah the, the, those are kind of frightening, but, but anyway, um, so, so yes, what do we got on that? Cause, cause that's good to see them come back full circle with that because it's like, finally it gets to do what it was meant to do instead of like, you know, buy one for 10 million and then hang it up in your living room or something. Yeah. And you can't drive it for more than half an hour cause it's so fucking loud. It deafens you. But yeah, that's a chat for another day. Um, Aston Martin GT customer, Heart of Racing. I must admit, I've not heard of these chaps, so apologies. But they're going to operate the hypercar program, which is a change from their usual Pro Drive. Yep. They used it's to be Pro quite embedded. Pro Drive has been their sports car company. Because I guess these guys, these companies like Heart of Racing and, and Pro Drive, they provide you know, the, the staff, the engineering support, the mechanics, and all of the infrastructure around a manufacturer taking car to a racetrack, you know, Aston Martin don't have a race team. That's the same no. with Audi in the past and, and all these other teams. ProDrive did the last sort of Aston hypercar, as I try and highlight on the stream, the old Lola V V10 or whatever it was. That was mental. That was ProDrive. Um, so, yes, Heart of Racing are going to operate it. Apparently going to be both in WEC and IMSA. Okay. So we're going to see it. It's a bring... Uh, Daytona 24, as well as Le Mans. Ah oui. Uh -huh. Enchanté. So, uh, are we ready for our very first, um, have you got the fraud files button ready? Mm. Hit it. One second. There we go. It's that one. F1's wackiest rumors, theories, and conspiracies. On this episode of The Fraud Files. Lawrence Stroll has basically done this so he can sack his son from F1. <laughs> Give him a drive in another motorsport series. I mean, at this rate, I think I think old Lance is ready for UFC or something after um, after Saturday or Friday or whatever that was. Jesus, man, we'll get back to that one. 
but I, I think I think this is super cool, and I think yes, this is a Formula One podcast, but at the same time, the world of sports cars is pretty heckin' cool and exciting and healthy again. Um, you know, next year is going to be what you've got. You've got IMSA, you've got WEC. Um, I went out to a GT World Challenge. Have we, have we had a podcast since I've been back from GT World Challenge? Uh, I don't. Oh yeah, you know, you gave us. The, did you not give us an updated Barcelona toilet review? On the on the, the Twitter. Anyway, anyway, G, never mind the toilet review. But like GT World <laughs> Challenge was awesome. Fifty four cars around Circuit de Catalunya. Um, it was great. It was great. All the. All the girlies love sports cars, says Yasmin. <laughs> but like, honestly, honestly, the access that you get, you can be in the pit lane. Pit lane tickets are not expensive. In F1, you can't get pit, pit lane tickets. You cannot get paddock tickets. You cannot buy them unless you buy a VIP package. And that, like, you basically have a tour guide, like, walk you through the paddock for, like, two minutes. And they're like, cool, get out. Yeah, that was, like, what, three, four grand? All right, screw you guys. Yeah, and once you've worked in F1, it takes some of the magic away, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, I think so. Like, and if you was a fan and they someone said to you, let's go on a pit walk in F1, you'd be you'd be all over that. You'd be the best day of your life. Yeah. Whereas now we've worked in F1, we're just like, oh, I'd rather do anything but go down that pit lane again. Yeah. But um, but back to that. McLaren are coming back to Le Mans in 2024. Talk quickly, what's going on with that? They've got a new chassis coming out, don't they? Chassis. Uh, they do indeed. So McLaren have decided to, uh, what are they bring in? The 720S GT3 Evo, I believe is its full name. Uh, just if you, you know want to be pedantic about it. <clears throat> That's coming back to World Endurance. Uh, first time since they've had a factory sports car effort since the days of the old McLaren F1. Mm. Which used to have a very funny sponsor on it. Here you go. Here's a bit of trivia. Okay. Right. Do you remember... The old black F1 with, I believe, Ueno Clinic or something written on the side of it. Right, so it's a quite a famous McLaren F1 that raced at Le Mans, and it's the one of the sponsors on the side is like Ueno Clinic or however you pronounce it, right? It's a Japanese uh, cosmetic surgery firm that uh, will enhance your male appendage. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I never knew that. <sighs> so there you go. One of the most famous F1... Uh, liveries is uh advertising male enhancements wow I, I, I there's not a more perfect uh um anecdote for the formula one world is it a bunch no. of dudes compensating for something they ain't got exactly Ugh. um but for this effort they are teaming up with united auto sports go on zach brown uh, That's zach yeah, well game. yes correct yeah funny yeah, that exactly. imagine imagine that a bit of insider trading oh, right. uh, so yeah no Zach Zach Brown is uh, I think is he the owner of United Auto Sports anyway either way but they've done well in the past with Le Mans they used to race uh, the old 12C GT3 yep. car yeah, uh, which did have a bad habit of bursting into flames I don't know <sighs> if anyone out there remembers that that, was that happens quite that happens. quite a few times that's uh, went up in flames um, but yeah no and they've been doing recently like LMP2 and things like that. So, yeah, should be good. Like you say, it's good to see uh, a healthy world of endurance. Yeah, and I, I think, honestly, like, I'd love to get involved in more of that next year. Um, there's so much cool stuff. All the uh, all the American races. I, I want to go to Sebring. I think I've kind of sacked in next year for doing any sports car engineering. F1 takes up too much time, and I kind of want to enjoy my life instead of working 
50 fucking weeks a year, so. We'll see. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. But the, the, I think one of the things we noted is they don't have a confirmed entry yet. They've just expressed interest because there's also something weird about, especially WEC um, and GT3 cars or Le Mans and GT3 cars, something about, in, you know, prioritizing hypercar manufacturers and giving them slots because in WEC, you're going to have hypercar gt3 only i believe but at le mans you will have hypercar lmp2 maybe and and gt3 gt3 um gte is gone we're being replaced with the cheaper gt3 cars but there's some weird ways how that work and i'm sure sports car fans out there will be mad at me but well huh. we're not a sports car podcast so fuck them yeah Listen. exactly right we did our best. We acknowledged other motorsports categories. What more do you want from us? Yeah. Um, next next thing on the list is uh, Grosjean's having... Uh, everybody's having contract issues the last couple of years. Is this a new thing, or is this something that people are just doing recently, like deciding to have contract squabbles? But long story short, uh, it sounded like Grosjean thought he was racing, and Andretti thought he's not racing. So they're going to have some words with some uh, solicitors and lawyers about that. Yeah, uh, I... Yeah, basically, I think he what had a contract for next year, and then uh, Andretti said, mm, "Not sure you do." Uh, so now they're going to arbitration. Dun dun dun. Yeah, but uh, I guess who's representing uh, Grosjean in the matter? No, I don't know. Uh, John Malley and Mark Owens. And if you don't know who they are, don't worry, we do. <laughs> Uh, they are two lawyers who you may remember from settling the dispute with uh, uh, Genesi and uh, Alex in uh, 2022 when they had all that kickoff. Fucking hell. Like, it, it can't be that hard, but at the same time, heck, anyway. I don't know. They, Fucking contracts. Yeah. But but now that we're back, we're, we're, we're moving through the world of sports because I find it interesting and I want you guys to be interested. And if you guys are listening on the podcast, are you watching this on YouTube? Let us know what you guys want to talk more about. Do you guys want to talk about sports car stuff as well? Because my personal interest in it is growing. And uh, if there's an interest in that as well, we can we can do all sorts of stuff. We could do F1. We could do sports cars. But it's going to mean more episodes. Oh, my God. But uh, speaking back on F1, every year you've got 100 kilometers of filming days to use. So you can run a car. You can, you know, you can rent a circuit. You can have chase cars on track. You can put GoPros all over the damn thing, whatever. Um, that's going up to 200 kilometers, which is interesting. Um, so it is interesting. Do yeah. you remember those lovely cold February mornings up at Silverstone? Yeah. I, you, most people use the filming day for their shakedown. So, A, you run the car in anger on track on some Pirelli demonstration tires, which are usually okay. Um, they're, they're not the exact same tires that we race with, but they're close enough. And then at the same time, marketing will be, you know, filming stuff at the track, you know, promo stuff, you know, like all the, the B-roll that we can use in our YouTube videos from the teams. Almost all of those, if you're in the UK teams, they're from Silverstone end of February. Mm, fucking GoPros up the wazoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they put GoPros in places on F1 cars. I didn't know you could put them. Yeah. So here's, here's um, moving on to even more close to the heart of uh, what we're talking about lately is 11 teams in Formula 1. 
And some of the some of the figures in the paddock have been pretty outspoken about their thoughts on it. And it seems like drivers say, why not? And team managers say, no, no, no. And James Fowles, uh, he had an interesting interview with Sky. And if you haven't watched it, I recommend you do it because uh, he's fairly eloquent about it. But he says most teams are operating in the red, i.e. they're burning loads of cash despite sponsorship. Um, you know, he said something to the effect, don't quote me on this, but something to the effect they lost, they burned 20 million last year. And this year they're going to burn more because they're investing and growing. Um, and their sponsors are on board with that. And the other point I mean, he made, gone. Only burning 20 million is probably, it's quite frugal for an F1 team to only write off 20 million. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is Williams, but at the same time, depending on your performance, that also changes your ability to attract sponsors. I mean, look at, Look at how much money. I reckon if you go look at Mercedes or Red Bull's books in terms of revenue they're bringing in from sponsorships, they're doing okay. They're doing I, okay. I have some insider information Oof. in regards to uh, some of the sponsor deals that happened at Red Bull. And I won't go into too much detail because I'm sure I'll get a fucking letter through the post if I do. Nothing to do with me. This is all Dan, for the record. No, but... Uh, there were certain sponsorship deals on that car which were just for a sticker uh, that were the north side of 100 million. That's fucking mad. That is actually mad. So so for, for a team like Williams, and, and Val's next point, if I'm recalling the interview correctly, is there are limited sponsors that want to advertise in the Formula One space. And if you're a, a low-performance team, you struggle unless you have a sponsor attached to a driver, for example. So... His argument was, we should have more teams. He says, but right now, most of the teams are operating at a loss. We need to grow the pot and get more interest and get more money in the meantime, and then add teams to support and not dilute. He's basically saying the dilution fee only helps the short term. But if there's, so what I suggested, and tell me what you think about this, what I suggested is um, a uh, growth of the sport relegation league. So the teams that do absolutely fuck all for growing the sport, you assess their impact on the sport every five years and you send them back to F2. Okay, and uh, as the... That's a stupid idea, by the way. As the podcast that contributes the least to F1, a.k.a. us, uh, do we get to be like pit lane reporters? Yeah, yeah, we can definitely. All right, Lance, how was it? Oh, fuck! Oh! <laughs> why, why do you think I'm rocking the free stripe? He's not going to try to swing at me, mate. All right. All right, killer. <laughs> I've got this uh, big old bushy beard to cushion any blows. Exactly. And then, um, yeah, what else we got? Lawrence Stroll had some comments, which are fucking rich. What did he say? Everyone should just become a billionaire and buy their own team. Now he's basically buy their way into F one. He's basically saying we don't need we don't need eleven teams. We've got ten teams and the sports healthy. And it's like, okay, well then why did you guys just enter WEC? WEC's healthy. I think that's a different scenario though. I do think that's a different scenario to some extent. Well, maybe I would the... take Oh sorry. No, no maybe I, in the I was GT3 say... world it is, but I don't think in LMH it's the same. Hear me out. <clears throat> if I was uh, yeah, right. So 10 teams is healthy for F1. Okay. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Right. If it was 10 teams that were all constantly fighting for a podium, I would say that's healthy. I'd rather have 10 teams that could all fight for a podium than, say, 11 teams where 
seven of them are never going to touch a podium. That makes sense. Yeah. I'd take 10 competitive teams over 11 sort of half-assed teams. So what you're saying is relegate the highest performing teams because there's like three or four of them at the top. Get rid of those jokers. Yeah, Max then- Verstappen, pack your bag, son. Tell your story walking. You're out. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Lawrence is like, we don't, we don't need to do this. And then they're like, oh, we're just going to enter Wack Hypercar. But I, I, I don't get it. I, I think basically his thing is the same thing is they're just focused on the short term profits because they have to answer to the shareholders. Because if, in case you thought this was a sport, it's actually a business, you dummies. So, but at oh, the same no, time, it, you get more drivers, you get arguably as james valls said you won't get more sponsors you'll just have sponsors spreading out and jumping teams but at the same time come back to this it's like there's some teams that have been floating around completely completely dog shit for years and it's like why what's the point what's the point what do you what, what, what is what is your goal with this yeah i mean we've, we've, we've thought we had america's team but let andretti come in they can be america's team Yeehaw! And if and if you know who we haven't talked about in a while, uh, I don't know who. Uh, MBS. We haven't talked oh, about him in a while. Yeah, I don't think he's upset anyone recently, though, is he? I don't think he's done anything too controversial, no. has he? Or or he's just said, you know what? We need more teams and fewer races. And he's like, and Domenicali's over there, like, no, no, stop, stop. They're gonna have a boxing match at some point. Yeah. Yeah, good for him though. That was I'm, I think he's spot on. I, I do th- I do think he's correct, but I think he's also just saying things to be contrary because nobody's heard of him in a while and he's getting a little <laughs> bit lonely because he 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 does he does like to be seen. He does oh, he does like people to know thing, he's there. There was this thing in the pit there's <laughs> uh he was in the pit lane after the sprint race. I think Oscar just won the sprint race and he <laughs> He's just—he's all up in Oscar's face, trying to shake his hand and all this stuff. And Oscar's just like pushing him away. He's just like, "Nah, mate, fuck off. This is my moment, not yeah, yours." Exactly. But but there's, but there's Max, always Max is walking up to him and can see what's happening. And Max just does like a ninety degree turn away. He's like, "I don't want no part of this. I'm out." <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. But at the same time, there are people in the paddock. Teams, personnel, you, whatever. Whenever there's a, whenever there's a camera around doing an interview, you can guarantee they're going to be in the background doing something. You see the same faces all the time, and it's not on fucking accident. All right, keep an eye out. Trey, where's Waldo Bingo? The people you're not sure who they are, but just like take a little screenshot every time you see somebody in the background, you'll see them next week, guaranteed. Yeah, and I know you're listening to some. Some of you lot are listening to this podcast, right? Stop fucking posing for the cameras in the garage and do your job, all right? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right, let's get into Qatar. Talk to me, Goose. Qatar Grand let's Prix go. Free Practice 1. We have not been here in two years. The previous time we were at the circuit, uh, front tires were exploding galore. It was an absolute bloodbath, and we're back again. Yeah, but this time it was a uh, sandstorm instead of a bloodbath. Oh, nice bit of Derude there. Very well done. That was very... <sighs> yeah, we uh, did a whole new... Well, not whole new, but they've refreshed all the facilities there. It all looked very jazzy. Um, but then they decided, obviously, 
they remembered it's in the middle of a desert, so everything got fucking covered in sand, and it just looked really weird. It was like uh, it looked like they were pod racing out of Star Wars <laughs> with all the dust being kicked up and shit. Yeah. Um. So they re- they they resurfaced the circuit. So whenever you have fresh tarmac, you've got like that layer of bitumen on top of the the effectively asphalt stones or the tarmac stones, which have no grip until they wear that off, which takes a while. Loads of dust and sand, crazy wind, which results in huge track evolution, so the grip is changing a lot. And don't worry, you get one hour of practice at the peak temperature of the day, which is like four hours offset from when qualifying will be. And that's yeah, all, all you get. Completely irrelevant to any other session that happens during the weekend, but here's your practice session. Uh, it, uh, good luck. It was relatively indicative of the track temperature that you would have in sprint qualifying on Saturday because it was a sprint weekend. But at the same time, the, the, the level of grip ramp up through free practice one and how much the track cleaned up and, you know, broke in the, that new tarmac was a lot. But uh, what, what, what do you have going on in free practice? Uh, the usual Max flying. The rest of the field was pratting it, about. It was kind of all over the place because if you look at if you go back and look at the pecking order from Friday morning to qualifying, it was like there was the there was the sheds and death traps at the back that stay there. But McLaren looked P nowhere on Friday or morning. Yeah. Um, Ferrari looked all right. Um, I will talk about this now and I'll tell you, I'm jumping well ahead here, but if we go to for uh, Carlos Sainz on a Sunday, didn't race uh, because they had a fuel leak. Mm. Interestingly, I listened to his post-race interview and he dropped a little nugget of information. Carlitos... Uh, Yes, he said, oh, it was a fuel leak that we wouldn't have been able to identify because uh, we never had the fuel level up that high all weekend. And I was like, oh, okay. So they, no high fuel runs at all for Carlos until the race. That is a very good point because also very few teams, looking at the timing data from Friday morning in practice session, very few teams ran a high fuel run properly. Mercedes like turned off the DRS and maybe put like 10, 20 more kilos in or something, but... Most of the teams said, you know what? We'll figure it out on the sprint race. It's not that many points to, to do it. If you're fast, you're going to be fast. If you're slow, it's like we're not going to get any points anyway. So we'll see what the deck and tire wear is like. Fuck it. Yeah. So it's like the sprint race has now turned into your uh, run. <clears throat> Sorry, your race sim. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's third race distance. So even then, like to further to Carlos's point, you would not have had what is it, 110 kilos of fuel, 150 liters or whatever in the car, then either, because you're only you're only putting in 50 liters of yeah. fuel for the sprint. If it was a non-sprint weekend, I think perhaps maybe they would have put higher fuel in it at some point during one of the free practice sessions. But like you say, because it's a sprint weekend, everyone's preparation was just a bit all over the place. Yeah. No, I, I think 100% that. But uh, it, it was interesting, and that's one of those things. I do not hate seeing chaos in, in sprint weekends in terms of lacks of preparation because lacks of preparation give us a little bit of variety. You don't let teams optimize. If you show up on the back foot, you're fucked. Much, I mean, e- even even Red Bull showed up in Singapore on the back foot and it was a normal weekend. They were so far out of the window, you know. Yeah, well, Pirelli heard that uh, you're not a fan of chaos and they said, well, fuck you, because guess what? We got chaos and we'll go into that in a moment. But uh, in terms of practice, yeah, I... 
it was pretty much a non-event, really, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but then good news, because an hour after that non-event, uh, let's just have qualifying. Why not? Yeah, sure. Send it. So, Q1, Friday afternoon. I mean, this is action, action. I've got to be honest with you. Let me let me just take a moment to remind you guys how I feel about sprint weekends. I hate sprint weekends. I'm so tired after watching them. I lose interest. I forget what was important. By the time we get to Saturday, I have no idea who qualified where. It's just so disjointed. And the fact that I don't think there was even that many people at this circuit, so I don't know who it was for. It was like uh, 120,000 over the entire weekend, and that was sold uh, out for that event. 38,000 people were there to watch uh, Max win the title. Okay. 38,000. That's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. And it's, it's, a, it's a new market for Formula 1. So be it, but Jesus, come on, fuck these sprint races. They're so terrible. I don't... Yeah. Well, we, we do this every fucking sprint weekend. No one that listens is surprised that we're not a fan of it. Oh. Anyway, Q1. Uh, interesting, uh, I saw Mercedes try to sneak through uh, on a used medium for both cars, which failed spectacularly, and they had to revert to soft. And I didn't appreciate this. That has a serious implication on the Grand Prix. Put it... Put it Put a, they didn't know it at the time, but yes. Put a put a little earmark on that. Mercedes using up a medium, trying to sneak through on a used medium. Uh, and then basically, we basically got our first indication that this is going to be a weekend of track limits, and basically everyone just fucking everyone was just losing times all over the place. Um, and yeah, that was it. Really, Q one was a bit of a non-event. Uh, we lost uh, Joe P twenty, Magnussen P nineteen. Uh, Lawson P18, Stroll P17, Sergeant P16. Mm. Now we'll big up, big up Sergeant. He was a lot closer to Alvin in qualifying. Yeah. It was it was fine lines that wasn't it? Uh, Bot Bottas. I mean, usually the Alfa Romeo is hit or miss in qualifying. They've been they've been rough, but uh, Bottas sneaks his way through to Q2. Um, yeah, Stroll. Let's just let's talk about that now. The freaking Stroll meltdown. Uh, let's we don't need to talk about it that much, but he. He was not thrilled about that, and it speculations that he's got lots of pressure from dad on him. Dad's gonna fire him. Who knows? I don't know what's going on there, but he got out. He the car gets pushed into the garage. He launches the wheel out of the car, gets out the car, has an argy bargy with his trainer or whoever he was, gives a bunch of shitty one word interviews afterwards, um, and then the FIA released a statement on Tuesday confirming that the FIA compliance officer is in discussions with Stroll in relation to several incidents. He's throwing down. Mm, mm, I think he might be in a little bit of trouble there. Yeah. Uh, but as usual, good news, everyone. The uh, No one works harder than the Mike Crack Aston Martin PR machine. Oh, my God. Please, dude. How much are they fucking paying him? It's, it's embarrassing, man. It's so embarrassing. Uh, Mike Crack was on Sky Germany bigging it up. I think the sport fries on emotions like that, and you shouldn't judge it too much when you're in a situation like that. <sighs> uh, right. I, I agree. I agree with that to some degree. Let the drivers have heated discussions, but it's like, mate, this is not a surprise. You've been knocked out in Q1 or for how how frequently? It's not like this is new or a surprise. Uh, I Mike Crack's credentials, I actually rated him. They're great. You know, he's had a successful motorsport career. He's successfully undone that in about six months of being a fucking puppet. Yeah, to, seriously. Uh, hey, you know what? 
dude, I've done some really strange shit for 20 bucks before. I'm sure he's on a lot more than 20 bucks. You know what I'm saying? I've got limits. <laughs> uh, listen, I will sell out and I will sell out for anything. But even I've got my limits and this, this is over my limit. I couldn't do it. Mm. I'd just be like, no, 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 Lawrence. Just accept the facts. Look, you know, buy your son a WEC team, force through the Valkyrie as a hypercar, and go and stick your son in that. Yeah. There you go. He's obviously listened to my advice. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so that was that. Uh, moving on to Q2. Wet. Uh, we saw Verstappen and Signs getting a little bit spicy. Uh, Signs was on a out lap, and I think Max was on a cool down lap, or it could be the other way around. Um, Signs got summoned, and he got away with a warning for erratic driving. But yeah, it was, it was a bit spicy. <laughs> when I saw that, all I could think of was Verstappen saying, "Like he's trying to use my tricks against me." Because <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, um, Max had that one in Japan last year. Remember when Lando? He didn't see Lando coming through. And he like goes to move out of the way and it was really fucking weird. It was the same shit, just like a lack of awareness, different pace, different run plans. And it's like, yeah, that could have been bad. That could have been bad. Yeah. The signs was like, oh, I had to keep a um a time, a minimum time or something, and it was yeah, uh, whatever. I whatever, man. You know, it sucks because we go from a couple weeks of big and signs up and then Ferrari are nowhere and he just goes back into anonymity again. We're like, signs who? Yeah, yeah the flip mean, flip flopping. Yeah. Um, Speaking of going into nowhere, Sergio Perez decides to lose uh, a bunch of his lap times and ends up P13. Uh, I don't think it was that big of a deal because his best lap time would only have been P9 anyway. I thought he wasn't even into Q3. <sighs> I don't know. They may, they, from my calculations, he'd already have ended up P9 okay. anyway. Oof. A huge, huge, quickly, huge shout out to Versatility in the YouTube chat for the $20 super chat. It says 20 bucks. You know what it's for? Wink, wink. We can't talk about that on the podcast, mate, but thank you, bro. <laughs> yep, thank you. Thank you for subscribing to my only dads. Uh, so, Hulkenberg out, Albon out, unfortunately. Uh, Perez, Sainz, and Yuki. Uh, and, and hey, Bottas makes his way into Q3. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. It was like, well, I watched watched qualifying, I didn't even realise, I don't think anyone else realised until I was watching Q3, and I was like, why the... I mean... Why is Bottas in this session? Losing signs and Perez out of that makes way for some uh, opportunities for wild cards to slip through. But to be fair, uh, credit where it's due, put your cards together, um, get the lap times in, don't get them deleted. You just got to get the most out of your car, and that is what it is, and he made his way to Q3. Did. Yeah, but speaking of lap time deletion, oh, Lando oh, Norris. Oh, mate. You know what? And he, there's, there's been a lot of drivers that have been, it's late in the season, they're tired, and they're also, when they when they screw up, they're owning it. They're just like, you know what? You know, they're not saying, oh, but what about the wind, the brake balance? No, he said, he said, I'm so shit sometimes. He was, oh, he no. was down bad. I was like, you're not that oh, no. bad, dude. I did. I did. Um, I did laugh at his expense a little bit. I'm sorry, Lando, if you're listening. I'm sure you are. Um, he lost his first lap time. I think it was on turn five, the limit. So then his second lap, he was so careful on the exit. Like he left so much room on that exit. 
and then fell out three corners later anyway. And I was just like, oh, mate. <laughs> oh, it was so close. But yeah, he uh, he had a bit of a nightmare, bless him. So because of that, he didn't have any lap time set. He ended up in P10. Uh, Piastri was fourth, which then became third because Norris obviously had his lap times uh, mm. deleted. Uh, and he was giving a lovely sort of post-qualifying interview about how he'd achieved P3 when uh, I think Naomi, who was interviewing, basically said, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Piastri, we just got word through. Uh, actually, you're sixth. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, poor bloke. And he was he was kind of scarred by that for the rest of the weekend. He was like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Bless him. That Bless was, him. That was pretty good. Um, I've got to say, I've got another thing that bothers me and I, I i get there's a lot of different ways to slice this but i'm really bored of tracks where track limits undermine the whole thing there's the argument yes they're the best drivers in the world they should keep it in the white lines put fucking lava on the outside of the track put gravel back make it slower to go off track and in most instances when the guys had snaps at either i think it was six and then 12 13 14 you're not going faster when you go outside of the track limits there you're not like, like I, I, I get it. They're consistent. They've set up the cameras so that it's really easy. The feedback from the FI is super quick when we have track limits um, excursions. I, I think that is so much better. But at the same time, it just makes it really difficult to shit. follow. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just shit. Like, make better tracks. Um, speaking of track limits, we'll have to come back to this. But in terms of, like, the, the quick performance summary, and I got, I got to plug this quickly as well because... I've, I've been basically, I do all my YouTube streams on Break F1 about qualifying, watch-alongs, race watch-alongs. I'll do a qualifying analysis segment. And I'm like, why don't I just put that on audio? So that is now live on Break F1 on pretty much all your favorite audio platforms. So if you want qualifying quick analysis, it's a literally um, in the coming weeks, it'll be a 15-minute rundown of what happened right after qualifying. So you can watch it while you're having a dump, driving to work. All that shit. Um, and then also... It's for, all, it's for all the people that have downloaded this podcast and have been like, oh, two, XM, two XF1 engineers talking about F1. That would be really good in-depth and technical. And then have left very fucking disappointed that we are just two fucking idiots. Uh, Blake's new podcast is for you. That's where you can go nerd it's, out. And it's literally just like the the... It's me going into my really geeky place, going into all those deep dives. So just check it out and uh, subscribe to it. It's not a replacement for this podcast. It does not have anywhere near the fraudulence and vibes, but it's literally like one of those quick digestible what happened this weekend. And uh, the thing is, I, I can just literally, since I'm, I work nonstop and I never have a life, I just finish them right after a session, possibly. Um, I might struggle this week because I will be in Austin at the race, but I'll see what I can do. Um, but on the performance... Red Bull, again, holding the pace about 0.4% clear of the field. Uh, McLaren, the second fastest time on team on the table, and they did leave a bit of pace. I don't think either of them got their laps together looking at best sectors. Mercedes, third fastest, and Ferrari, Pino, this weekend behind Alonso. And there was a lot of speculations that uh, the Ferrari's really wind-sensitive, which I wouldn't be surprised. I know the car is extremely peaky, and with a peaky car, you could or might not have a sensitivity win, but they were terrible. They had a reasonable amount of downforce on the car, looking at their drag levels, but some I saw some notes complaining they weren't they didn't get the tires working. But honestly, um, Max was dominant through the high speed right hand turn twelve through fourteen. Nobody got within a couple tenths of him there. I don't think so. It was absolutely oof. Uh, but yeah, but here's 
you got you got any thoughts on the end of qualifying before we get into it? I don't have any thoughts. I just have vibes. We got. We, well, let's bring the let's bring the vibes because we're about to rip into somebody else. Um, Friday night. It kicks Friday off. Friday night. Saturday. Who really realize they are in trouble? Yeah, but it's it's good because we didn't have any issues in Qatar last year because we weren't in Qatar last year. We were last in Qatar in 2021. The track has been resurfaced, and I may or may not be correct, but these 50 millimeter pyramid curbs that they put on the exit of the high speed right hand section at the end of the circuit, I'm not sure if those are typical curb sections. Either way, um, 20 lap. I tried to look into this, and I think I know someone a guy. Said they're there the entire time, like when MotoGP runs there and things like that. But, are but they... then I guess MotoGP, they don't really run off circuit much i suppose yeah, you, you, i guess on a bike that's suboptimal yeah on, on a bike you lose a lot of lap time when you go over those curbs when you go over those curbs on f1 car you just laminate pearlies because they're not fit for purpose but who who am i whoa <sighs> don't worry we'll get back into that but great news everybody you can look forward to uh what is it four more years with an option for five more years of pirelli in formula one because they've just inked a new deal there's a picture of dominicali and somebody from pirelli just handing each other bags of money to uh, signify their commitment to the next through 27 with an option for 28. Oh, the best part about this is that you know full well that a deal was signed before the weekend. Yeah, but why would you, <laughs> announce, why would you announce it this weekend? It's like just reminding everybody that Pirelli's are not excellent racing tires. Uh, racing tires are difficult, and they have had their fair share of shenanigans, and they often say it's this mysterious thing called debris, which happens to be shown on every track where they have high stress Tracks yeah with- so like we've alluded to basically Pirelli found that there was some issues in the sidewall and the construction coming away and things like that um, but to go to your point about Pirelli doing a shit product I I'm very critical about a lot of things and Pirelli I'm also critical about them but I do give them a little bit of leniency in that I think they've been given an almost impossible task. Mm. It's like, hey, you're a tire manufacturer. I need you to build the best tire for some of the highest uh, speed, whatever, racing in the world. But you also have to artificially create a performance cliff in that. That's okay. I I think, you know, that's really difficult. Um, I'm pretty sure Bridgestone and Michelin would be fine. Oh, and also, by the way, uh, you can't test on uh, any current cars oh, that, because that would be deemed unfair. That, okay, that and to your point, let, let's let's come. We'll circle back to that because that is a that is a most excellent point, I believe. Um, and that comes back to a whole other problem with with Formula One. But so, long story short, what happens with Pirelli when they at the end of the night? Often, I don't know if it's every weekend or often. Uh, this is a very high stress. They had lots of tire failures here that last time they were here, so. It's very. It's not uncommon for Pirelli to take used tires with a lot of laps on them and cut them open and inspect them. And they discovered, you know, after 20, you know, tires with more laps had structural issues with them. Isola said it's nothing to do with the construction of the tire. It's just the sidewall. I'm like, okay. That, that's part of the construction, isn't it? Not? Well, is, is that not what we, was that not what they reinforced back at Silverstone was the sidewall junction to... Mm the contact patch area. So it's like, I could be be mistaken there. They've made some changes to allow for stress and development and they missed 
out on this event, obviously. Yeah. yeah Blake, it wasn't the gun that killed him. It was the bullet. Yeah, de- but bullets don't kill people either. It's death that kills people, mm, obviously. Yeah. So, um, Pirelli have made some changes. They said, you know what? On Saturday, we will move the track limits inboard roughly one meter, 80 centimeters, so that you cannot run over these curbs because they suspected the high speed. You know, you're nearly flat out at over 250 kilometers an hour over these pyramid curbs on the exit of these corners if you were just inside the limit. So what they did is they moved the line over so that if you're inside track limits, you're not touching those curbs, which is a great which, which is a great solution. Good thinking. Everybody agreed on it. I think that was fine. And moving the track edge by a meter isn't a huge deal. So it's like, okay, everything else should be roughly valid. They didn't put a chicane or something like they proposed in Indy 2005, which had been a shit fight. So great. You know, they, they adapted. Good to them. Um, and they basically said, let's wait until Saturday to see what happens. We'll check some tires after the sprint race and we'll see what happens. But to your point, I think to Pirelli's credit, they don't, they're not given a whole lot to work with. And like you said, they don't have a mule car. They don't have a modern F1 car they can test. And teams don't have budget or money or resource or personnel or parts or cars to do additional testing to help Pirelli. So what Pirelli do is what we've been doing last year is you try to shoehorn in a tire test into a free practice one session. It's like uh, if, if you do want to do proper tire testing, you have to go tire testing. It is not a single run at the beginning of the session. It's an A, B, C, A repeats all day gathering data, low fuel runs on one program, high fuel runs on the other, checking for performance, checking for thermal issues, checking for structural issues. It probably, uh, to, to their defense, do not have the data or information to make, to populate their models, to validate their models. They literally, yeah, it's it's a shit thing. And this is a Formula One problem. So I, I do have to give probably credit there, but. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, given t- t- test tires to teams in a P1 session for testing, no team is going to go out there and say, right, let's absolutely hammer these test tires for Pirelli. They're just going to say, oh, I'll just go do some uh, yeah, laps, yeah. do yeah. some installation laps on them. Don't worry about uh, it. Oh, we've got our we've got our one of our two mandatory young drivers. Yeah, just chuck him in, mate. Go pound around on these tires real quick. He'll be fine. Yeah, but um, but I think that's a really good time. Um, considering Pirelli haven't paid me to say anything nice about them, but uh. Right. Should we go to someone that has paid us money to say nice things about them? And somebody that I will have you guys all know that I was using before they approached the podcast and Dan used before they approached the podcast. I still use them every weekend for some certain reason. For some reason. Yeah, but anyway. Yes, it's that time again for a word from our sponsors, NordVPN. You know them by now. It's a product that me and Blake have used long before this podcast was even a thing. And we are very thankful for their ongoing support to the podcast and for you listeners. If you're tired of being geo-blocked on Netflix and uh, things like that, then you need yourself NordVPN and you can get yourself an exclusive discount off your plan and four months for free. All you've got to do is go to nordvpn.com slash engine. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you doing? Come on, they've been with us for nearly a year now. If you haven't got it by now, what are you waiting for? So that's nordvpn.com slash engine. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, somebody in the chat goes, it's Kebab King, isn't it? No, it wasn't Kebab King. Uh, listen, uh, Bingle Kebab, Stevenage Old Town High Street. Big yourselves up. Toot toot.
That was a freebie for him. Ah, I love that. Hey, speaking of freebies, if you are in Milton Keynes, look up a restaurant called Panzini. P-A-N-Z-I-N-I. Panzini. Um, it was an old pub that all the Red Bull crew used to go to off in uh, Little Brick Hill, and they've just reopened. So if you're in, in town, it's in Bletchley, seriously, imagine this. This is not a paid ad. I just, I just love these guys. The family there are awesome. It's a burger wrapped in a pizza base and then baked. And it's an amazing pizza base, A. The burger, I get the um, Classico, which is double burger with a piece of pork belly, caramelized onion, and mozzarella, and wrapped in a pizza base. Oh, my sweet baby Jesus. Uh, you know what we should do, Dan? What should we do, we apart should... from going wildly off topic every 10 minutes? Well, we're going uh, to go have a podcast from the restaurant. I'll talk about it later yeah all right sweet yeah but um let's get in let's get into sprint qualifying so they did change the track overnight as they said they painted some lines uh it looked it looked very very well blended in it was great and uh different conditions saturday or friday qualifying was in the evening saturday morning qualifying was in the morning but they did give them a 10 minute warm-up session to familiarize themselves uh, with the track. Excuse me, it's a fam- it's a familiarization session. I'll have you know. Oh, sorry. Uh, FMS one familiarization session one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which I I don't did they 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 broadcast it didn't they? But I think it was yep. just so weird. It was just it like was awkward. People just went out and did like two laps at half speed or whatever, and they're like, yeah, okay, cool. It's to the track. Yeah, but uh, that worked. Everybody was fine. Uh, GP had a little thing with Max and uh, he was just like you could have finished your lap and he's like mate I went off in the gravel he's like well you could have finished the lap you don't really want to finish the lap after going off on gravel but uh, Max didn't really get a clean look at the new part of the track which is interesting because uh, he was not very good there in sprint qualifying he so if you I, I did a quick look on the if you if you haven't I'm plugging this stuff again buy me a coffee or just go to break.com with three r's that takes you to buy me a coffee i've done you got yourself a website url and everything i just forwarded it to buy me a coffee break.com for the data um but um the mclarens we don't have lando's or piastri's data because it was chalked from the session but uh russell and norris only lost about a tenth from friday to saturday through that corner max lost two to three tenths there so um he did not maximize that part of the track. And what, what do we have? Let's go through the session. Uh, not a uh, huge amount to say about sprint qualifying one. What do we no, do? usual track limit yeah. nonsense. Uh, have we told everybody how we feel about track limits? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Sergeant not classified. We lost Kevin, Sunoda, Albon, and Stroll. Stroll out again. He didn't push anybody after this one. Uh, and he was a lot more polite. He said five words instead of three words in the press pen afterwards. Improvement. Yep. Uh, SQ2, what do we got? Uh, Hamilton, sadly, uh, ends up in P12 after his time was deleted. But again, I looked into it, and the time that was deleted probably would not have gotten through to Q3 anyway. Confirmed it was it was not good enough. And it, this is one of those things It's like, their, their Saturday performances aren't particularly consistent. And yeah. Yeah, and uh, in another amazing case of Jekyll and Hyde, uh, for some reason, Haas decide that this is the the day that they're going to get into Q3 after being absolutely nowhere yesterday. Um, we <laughs> end up with Hulkenberg shithousing his way into Q3. Was he the fastest middle sector? Did you write that? I don't remember that. Yeah, in, right. 
in, in qualifying three at the end of it, I was like, right, let's have a look. And I noticed, I was like, oh, no, no one at the top has got a purple middle sector. And I looked down, it was Hulkenberg in P7 somehow had the fastest middle sector out of all the sprint qualifying. I was like, what? Uh, so wild. I don't know. I don't know how he's achieved that in the hearts of all things. And yeah. why is it, why, why, where is that pace any other time? I don't know. I, but that's the thing with with the teams, the Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, um, Haas. But Williams are fairly consistent-ish. This weekend, they were not so strong, and this was never going to be a Williams circuit. There was one straight with DRS, and the rest of it was high and medium-speed corners. There was, what, one low-speed corner on the track? This is not This is not Williams' territory. Alex, I love you, bro. You've driven the absolute wheels off this thing, but this was, this, this was never going to suit that car. Um, Perez... Time lost, P8, job done. But performance differences. Piastri takes pole by over two tenths on Verstappen. Norse, P2 just behind him. Uh, the track looks to be about eight tenths slower. Some of that was wind as well. Um, but yeah, Max lost a lot through the new, the new section of the track that they changed the track limits on, and the other guys didn't really lose anything. Uh, Russell hanging around in P4 and the Ferrari improves relative to Aston a little bit. Um, Alonso nor Ocon have a time on the board in Q3. So they did one run and both of their runs got deleted. Uh, so they qualify 9th and 10th. But uh, interesting. Sprint race. Let's let's get straight into it. Ooh. Wow. Is there it. anything more sprinty than uh, a 19 or whatever it was lap? race with free safety cars i mean honestly i mean it, it did it did have some very interesting uh, insight into what the tires were doing and what what we could expect for sunday but lap one lawson just drops it dusty windy's track safety car bosh russell uh russell gasses himself up on the radio he's like did you see that oh my god guys look I feel like he's right, but that's the thing. Right, he, any other driver when they come across the radio or whatever, there's there's some gravitas or or personality behind it, right? Now, I'm sorry, this is going to come across as a bit of George slander, but he just doesn't have that dog in him where he can come oh. across the radio and be like, <laughs> be like, yes, come on. He's like, big move, chaps, tally ho, come on. It's just it doesn't work, George. I'm sorry, it just yeah. it's just not the same. But maybe, maybe the, the, you know, he he needs like a little bit of gas from his engineers. Like, don't wait for George to have to gas himself up. Be like, go on, lad. Give him a little bit of a fucking. Oh, give him a little someone, dab, you know? someone put a comment on Twitter and it is the best comment <laughs> I have seen. And they were like, George Russell is the kind of person that will say they have no words for something and then say a lot of words about it. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that's spot on. Uh, fucking nailed it. Um, lap three, safety car, sergeant. Gravel. Um Science. Yep. is talking about some PU issues. Yeah, at this point while as well. he was while they were traveling around in the safety car queue, uh he has like a sort of weird misfire or something. And uh uh he radios to the pit wall and they're like, Oh yeah, it was a surge event. I've never heard that term before and I've no clue what that means. It but might if be... I have a PU that has a surge event, it's gonna give me some concerns. I know I don't I'm not an engine guy, but Compressor surge is a thing when relating to the turbo performance, but I'm not an engine guy. I, I don't like engines. I don't trust them. They're not real. Um, but yeah, and we'll, we'll go through the, So the rest of the race, 
lap 11 safety car, Ocon on the outside uh, into, was it four? Left-hander? Three. three, yeah. Hulkenberg. Oh, sorry, the, t the, the corner for yeah. the amount of people. Yeah, Ocon, Hulkenberg, Perez. Ocon kind of like wants to move. He's inside. He wants to move over to get a better line. He shoves into Hulkenberg, into Perez. I mean, a racing incident, but Ocon's fault. I mean, yeah, look, 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 everybody listening. Blake has definitely put here in capital letters in the show notes, Ocon's fault, surely. Question mark, exclamation. Emphasis on like 50 exclamation points in one question. Like, um, yeah. But I will be, listen, the chief chief slander officer, me, uh, I'll, I'll actually say that, no, I agree, this is racing incident. I think yeah. uh, Perez was just unsighted in the middle. Yeah. Ocon, I, wasn't, Ocon wasn't to know that Hulkenberg had nowhere to go, really, and it just... I don't know. But yeah, during the safety car caused by this, Russell starts having another radio breakdown and starts talking about pitting for a pit stop in a sprint race. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that was never going to freaking happen. Like, you look at how close the field is front to back at this point. Um, I've got the chart here. There, there, there's no gap in between them. Like, at that restart, there was 10 seconds front to back of the field, a pit stop around here. Under safety cars, over 10 seconds. So you would literally go from third to dead last with no hope in hell. But a really interesting thing played out, and we haven't talked about this yet. It was which tires people ran. Um, the it was a toss up between softs and mediums. Yeah, and the people that ran that basically it looks like this. If you look at the race trace, anybody on a soft died a death in terms of performance and degradation. Even though we only had less than eleven racing laps, I think. You know, it, any of those softs completely burned up the mediums however struggled on the race restarts and the race start so you know th there was a little bit of cat and mouse there and to be fair russell did a spectacular spectacular job there was basically two soft runners that had clean air there was russell and there was signs signs was on new softs the clear behind him was arguably faster and getting held up by him on seven lap old softs so something was wrong with signs this weekend or his car or set up his preparation. Russell, Russell did a reasonable job of holding it together, and his race engineers absolutely the right call. Do not listen to him. You're getting, you're getting a couple points, or you're getting no points, mate. And they got a couple points. Good on him. Uh, Russell takes home five points to the championship. Go on, lad. Uh, Hamilton finishes just behind him in sixth, but Piastri wins over Max, and Piastri takes his first Formula One race victory, sprint race, albeit. And a lot of people were upset. Another Australian wins. Another another McLaren Australian driver wins a race before Lando. Mm. But a lot of people are upset that Max Verstappen wins the World Drivers Championship at the end of the sprint. He scored more than what six or three points more than Perez, which was a criteria he needed to win the season. And they well, did as soon a, as Checo was out, basically, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And they and they. At the conclusion of that, they were ready with a podium with all the celebrations and everything because Max won the World Drivers' Championship. And there were people online, they're like, that was disrespectful to Piastri for not celebrating his win more. I'm like, motherfucker, it's a sprint race. Literally, like, honestly, I could not be more thrilled for Piastri, but Max has just had one of the most dominant car driver pairing, I'll qualify it however you fucking want. He's had one of the most dominant seasons in Formula One ever. And... You're mad that they took a little bit of time to get to Piastri to give him his props. He definitely got all the props he needed, but it's like, come on. 
I don't, I don't give a shit who it yeah. was. It could have been George Russell winning this this way. George Russell, do the driver's championship first. Sprint race, good, good was, on him. Uh, I don't like the fact that Max won it during a sprint race. Like, I, There's not really much you can do about that. But no. it would have been more ceremonious if it was like a full distance race. Yeah, it would be. Another problem with the sprint weekend. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, I mean, the performance notes. Anyway, sorry, chat yeah. has just reminded me and they said, Ooh. yeah, no, chat, good point. I will give a to uh, Piastri, well-deserved. Yeah, seriously, awesome, awesome drive. He's been, he's been solid in his, uh, his, his humor is, uh, absolutely class. And he had a couple absolute bangers this weekend, but, um, so Here's the implications of that. We had a safety car-ridden sprint race. Prelli really wanted a 19-lap flat-out-a-thon. They didn't get it. So, Prelli made up some rules to say 18-lap fixed pit stops. Um, so, it's a 4-3-stop race. When this was announced and came out in the evening, I'd completely mentally checked out because my head... I just, mm. I just could not calculate this out. Well, the thing, the thing is, basically, if you have, even with multi-viewer for F1, which I use to watch everything with F1 TV Pro, not an ad because I use them and it's a free piece of software. F1 TV Pro isn't, but it's the best way to watch F1. Um, it, it was easy to see whatever tire somebody put, you saw the age of the tire and you knew how many laps they did. If it was a used tire, probably removed the in and out lap from that count, but... Pirelli circulated a table before the race, which is on Twitter, to show you how many laps you could do on each set of tires. And the tires are numbered one through five, depending on which compound they're on. So that was straightforward. The thing is, everybody knows the longest stint another car can do, and it makes it so predictable. And Pirelli have obviously yep. been rewarded this contract. But, uh, but we'll, yeah, come, we'll come back. We'll soon, co let's come back to this, because I, I want to go into they, Sorry. As soon as they came out with the list of basically here's the laps all your tires can do, I was just like, oh, like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, and then I'll jump forward and go to the race. I didn't know what was going on in that race. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, so-and-so's here, but have they done their mandatory 18 laps yet? Or do I, need, oh, I was just like, I, this is just BS. You know what, with, with multi-viewer, it wasn't that bad because you could kind of see that Everybody had, you know, how many laps there's left in the race. That wasn't terrible. But uh, let's, let's go through the race, and then I think we'll circle back to this pit stop because this forced pit stop thing has some interesting implications on things that people and fans speculate that they want to make F1 better, which I think we've proven what you don't want and extrapolate that to a couple of other things that you definitely don't want. So rough timeline. I'm going to run through it, and I, I think the race was... Well, if we miss anything, chat, shout at us, but I think... This is the gist of it. Uh, Perez starts from the pit lane uh, after his little tangle with Hulkenberg and Ocon. That little, uh, it looks like he had some damage and had to replace some components. Signs does not take the race start due to a fuel cell issue. And Haas, in all of their operational glory, allow Hulkenberg to take Signs' grid spot. It should have been left empty, but uh, as a result, Hulkenberg is res rewarded with a 10 second grid penalty. Like, I if if you're at the back, like they are, you literally cannot be throwing away points like that. And that's like, 
I don't know if that was Hulk that did that or the team didn't message him, but I know for a fact on the grid, if you, when I was working with GP or any other, GP was the only race engineer I worked with, but even the, the other engineers, we would all talk in the meeting. It would be discussed in the driver's meeting before the race. It's like, okay, if signs isn't taking the race, start. You have to leave spot seven open. So if you're that driver's engineer, you'll say, hey, mate, there's going to be a slot in front of you open. Do not pull into it. And you have that conversation. So either Hulkenberg brain fart or, or his engineers didn't even clock that. Yeah, just forgot to tell him. Fuck, man, that, that drives me mad. That absolutely drives me mad. And it could be a simple mistake, but just let Andretti in. Seriously, fuck it. Yep. Uh, lap, lap one, what happens? Uh, Spain 2016 flashbacks. Mm, that was, so Hamilton and Russell collide. Hamilton DNFs, he's out in the gravel. And then he walks back across the track, which is uh, 50,000 euro fine. 25,000 euros of that, which was withheld uh, in case he does it again. Then he has to pay the full whack just so he can stare Russell down. And then he gets back into the to the office and checks the video. And he's like, yeah, that was me. And he just puts his hand up immediately. Like, because Lewis is a Lewis is a dude like that. And he saw it and he was like, yeah, I missed it. But they were. It was oh. Russell. Bloody yappy dog. Oh, pupper. Russell was uh, Russell's kind of a little bit blocked in. By, behind Max on the race start, Russell got a great start. Lewis got a great one. Max, not so much. And Hamilton kind of kept him, you know, pinched up over there. And then Russell moves his way out and goes past. And then uh, they just collide at turn one when I think Lewis didn't expect Russell to be that close. And they were close. That was only, I think that's Hamilton's only his sixth lap one retirement. That's a good stat. Yeah, I, I saw that on, uh, I think, Autosport. They've been pretty good lately. I like Autosport, always with the good stats. Um, the footage of Lewis walking away and then uh, George driving past behind him is going to get so overplayed on yeah. Netflix, Drive to Survive. I'm yeah. calling it now. Yeah. Like, nothing happened. Afterwards, he was like, you know, but the thing was, the exchange, Russell felt bad because he was like, did I take, like, neither, like, Russell felt bad. Lewis is like, it was fucking him on the radio. Then he goes back and watches the video. He's like, it was definitely not fucking him. But the number of people after Lewis put his hand up were still ripping into George on the internet. I was like, you guys are so sad. It's so weird. But um, Lewis, Lewis is, is the smooth operator. Very few faults like that. And uh, yeah, to be fair, I mean, the, one of them was, there was, was it Spa last year was lap one? Uh, was that with him and Alonso? Yeah. Hang on, let me sort this dog out. You entertain, you entertain the podcast for 10 seconds. All right, go give the pupper a little hug. But anyway, um, the rest of the race was heat stroke, track limits, track limits, track limits. I think there were 52 instances uh, of track limits, which resulted in tens of seconds of penalties applied after the race and during the race, during pit stops. McLaren, uh, with their newfound performance, have also set... A world record pit stop of a 1.80 previously held by Red Bull with a 1.82. So Red Bull are now entirely and completely washed. Um, now, and there's a, we'll come back to the, the whole race full circle. I think there's lots of things we can talk about. For example, it was everybody except for Lewis and Max had an infringement. That's an interesting statistic. Um, but looking at the race graph, I mean, 
I know there's a couple IndyCar fans in here, and I think IndyCar is slightly different, but maybe not. I think IndyCar is very different for a different reason. I did not enjoy the fixed stint length whatsoever, and I'll, I'll come back to that completely. But in terms of race, Verstappen leads the uh, McLarens. Russell has an amazing comeback driver as Perez starts off on the hard and struggles from the back. And the rest of the race was undermined by uh, Sargent being ill. Alcon puked in his helmet a couple of times. Several drivers were noted to have severe issues after the race in the medical center. And we'll come back to that as well. But um, are we clearing that close to Red Bull? First little performance summary. I think the answer is sort of. But also the fixed stint length. I, I think if you look at the fuel corrected lap times, the pace at the beginning of the race was massively managed because they weren't sure what the stint life would be like. But upon observing what was actually happening, Red Bull could have gone, Max could have gone a lot longer on that first stint. And the only reason the McLaren's pit is because they were covering Sunoda, who stopped on like lap 10, and they weren't sure how that was going to go. So they just had to cover, and that worked out for them just fine. Um, I saw one tweet from like this really big Mercedes fan site that said Mercedes could have won. Uh, they couldn't have won. I don't think. I don't think. No? Not, not unless Max DNF'd. Like they, uh, maybe, maybe they would have been, you could have possibly swapped McLaren and Mercedes in terms of performance, but at the same time, if you had somebody actually racing the McLarens, they would have dropped off because they'd be defending. Just the same as if you had Mercedes ahead of the McLarens, you would have the McLarens on the back door. And we see this Every time, whenever a car comes under pressure, the leading car loses out, like when Ferrari decide to race themselves and throw away Monza. Fucking goofballs. But, hey, it's racing. Oh, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, Gasly accumulates over 20 seconds of penalties. Perez <laughs> uh, gets 15 seconds of penalties. Stroll gets 10 seconds. Uh, and here's an interesting one, and this is not... I don't know if... It, this isn't a dig at Martin. I just don't think he's... This quote is very good. He says, It's races like Qatar and very rainy days which make F1 drivers look like the heroes and athletes they are. Absolutely don't buy into the weak view we shouldn't be put them through this kind of challenge. Check, check out Senna in Brazil, Stewart in the rainy Nuremberg, Nürburgring, Lauda post-crash, etc. Come on, man. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to prove, but like, if one of these guys had blacked out and fuck it. I mean, they're already racing on prelis, which is sketchy enough. <laughs> you know that's that's enough risk but like i don't i don't think this is i don't I, I don't know how much more fit you want these athletes to be to be able to put up with these kind of conditions i i think the other other racing series take this stuff a lot more seriously weck uh weck has implemented air conditioning in the closed cockpit cars which they all are now all sorts of other things so it's not like I don't get it, man. This is not a good take. And I don't think we should put people at risk for our entertainment. It's not the fucking gladiators. I don't, what do you, what do you, what do you, what, yeah. Do you see any I mean, sense in that or? No, I think he's, I think he's talking shit, mm. um, to be honest. But it's like, I don't need my drivers to potentially nearly die to make the race enjoyable. That, I mean, like, you know, whereas this comes across as very sort of, Oh, bring back all the cars that Alpha used to just male. explode whenever you yeah. sneeze next to them. Yeah, you remember, you see the old photos of like the car on flames, in flames on the side of the circuit, 
cars coming through and the, the fire marshals with the fire hose trying to spray across the track through oncoming cars. But the car, we're, we're past that, man. We, we've, we've had very few fatalities in the last couple of years, and we need to keep moving in the direction that we have even fewer serious injuries. And us as fans can enjoy racing from some of the best athletes in the world, you know, mm. absolutely, absolutely hammering every lap, pushing flat out and not have to risk them being physically ill because it's heroic. There's, there's yeah. these things are so, so fucking far removed. I don't really care if it was like that back in your day, but it's not, it's not a good look and you should not, you should not put people physically at risk. Motorsport is inherently dangerous, but the other thing is motorsport as from an engineering and sporting perspective, we should seek to improve the safety of it so that we do not have to lose life for the sake of our entertainment. We should not cause harm to anyone just the same way as the FIA stepped in last year when some of the teams were like, you know, we can find some performance around this porpoising thing. If we run the car low as fuck and stiff as fuck and smash into the ground, then you have drivers with, you know, potentially issues. potential chronic injuries as a result of poor operating conditions. Uh, the halo, it was very aesthetically unpleasing, but we've saved in the last several years alone, so many lives as a result of this just because it's not like that in the old days doesn't mean it's not good. Um, yeah, I absolutely despised the Halo me too. when it first came out. We what? had the mock-up arrive, and we they mocked it up on one of the cars at Red Bull, and I took one look at it, and I thought, that is the ugliest pile of shite I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then I think it was Charles Leclerc at Monza when he was in sauber and i think he deflected a car off of it at the start of a race i think that was the first major sort of halo dude i mean and i was like oh, okay actually i'm on board of it now yeah dude seriously and like and we still you know have loss of life in certain instances without the halo or with the halo sorry you know there's there've been other series people yeah have it's not not 100 safe motorsport never will be but you know we don't need to uh uh, it, well, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't need to martyr drivers to to enjoy the sport. Yeah, we could we could lower the risk if we uh, don't give all the drivers heat exhaustion. We don't need to do that. We yeah. can avoid that. That's such an easy win. Why don't you just do that? Yeah, it's like uh, Qatar. Why don't we not put it at that time of year next season? And I think also that race was char- uncharacteristically warm. So yeah, Grosjean, yes, Grosjean's but- crash is another one. Uh, Hamilton and Max and Monza. I mean, the car was resting on the fucking halo. Let's. Yeah, yeah. We well, are look, there was even a, there was a mark on Lewis's helmet, wasn't there? Yeah, we are like, moving forward in terms of safety to let these guys race flat out. Joe and Silverstone, yeah, like it go, the list goes on. But um, let's talk about the tire restrictions and some of the implications that that has. In well, before oh. we do that, I'm going to jump back a little bit. Ooh. Apparently, the FIA. I've not not read into it myself, but I saw a headline that apparently the FIA have addressed. Or acknowledged, sorry, the concerns of this race and now are looking into what they can do to change it. I think the only realistic thing you can do is move it to a different time of year. Yeah, or thoughts, hashtag thoughts and prayers from the FIA again. Now, I think I think they will push this forward and make the right decision and make sure that we don't see this again. Because if there is any serious industry injury as a result of this kind of stuff, that will come down on them like a fucking ton of bricks, and they will not be able to protect themselves from it. So. Um, let's talk about the what, the implications of the fixed stint length, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of my extrapolations on it and a couple of other thoughts, and we can we can go back and forth on this, because I think it's an interesting conversation for, for you guys as well. 
<laughs> Somebody, uh, one in a million's dog is barking at your dog. <laughs> it's not even my dog. It's someone's dog I'm looking after. And uh, yeah, they are very vocal. Woof. So effectively what we had in this race was an 18 lap maximum stent length, which is not dissimilar to what happens when you have small fuel cell refueling races. A smaller fuel cell does not make the cars lighter. It makes it lighter at the start, but the, the outright performance of the car does not change. You know, one lap of fuel is the same one lap of fuel, no matter how big the fuel cell is. Um, this race, for me, was way too predictable. You knew when people were stopping. Like, oh, yeah, they got to stop here in tw 20 minutes or whatever. That was done. It's just not interesting. There's no... It gives you no tire strategy variability at all. Um, and a lot of people, especially some of the commentators, uh, and Karun Chandok replied to one of my tweets about this, and it was a, it was a conversation, but it was interesting because he his a lot of people have been suggesting we need to use force the teams to use all three tires. Being forced to use all three tires, people suggest, would fix the strategy and make it more interesting. But I disagree completely. Um, forcing a two-stop race removes strategy options. We don't want to remove strategy options. We want to add them. Qatar was a perfect example of forced pit stops. Doesn't improve the racing. We didn't have anything. People sat more or less in pace order trying to come through. The problem is not the regulations forcing drivers to use tires. The problem that we've had this season is the fact that the hard tire and sometimes the medium tire can do an entire race. So I think the problem that we could address is the objective of the tire specification, which Pirelli then need to hit. What is Pirelli's target letter? We should not have two of the three available compounds that can do an entire race. Um, and I, I think that that is my summary of that. We should have don't, for example, if you force that that two stop hard, medium, soft in whatever sequence you want to, you remove the option. Say you have a shit lap one. You remove the option to do one of those heroic one stops effectively, you know, like that kind of stuff. Let us see that because those are the kind of things we're like. What's Albon doing? Well, how's he going to fare? Is he going to is he going to hang on to fifth or sixth or whatever it is? I love that. And if otherwise, you're like, oh yeah, Albon's race is over because he's got to do like two stop and yeah, that's it, man. Sorry. And I was like, then if you onto a two stop and you get forced onto a three stop, you're definitely boned. No, like I realistically, I think the hard tire should be able to do a one stop to a medium with some management, roughly. And I I need to look through a bunch of scenarios in in my head and kind of do like a a thought exercise on it and doing some like open air simulations on tire parameters. The problem is, I think simply that qualifying needs to be a qualifying tire, soft tire that is also viable for a race, but it wears out quickly. And you, you, you know, it's got high performance for a very short period and you can use that for safety cars, sprints to the end or getting track position, hoping for a safety car to race start. Fine. Your hard tire, should be pretty low grip. It should be shit for starts, but it'll have super low degradation. So you can go long on it if you start on it and potentially undercut people ahead of you on a medium tire that has more outright pace, but more deg. We don't have that right now. We've got a bunch of crap tires. Yes, we do. And that's probably because we keep changing the specification of the car every two years. You, uh, you get to a point where Pirelli are like, okay, we've had, you know, a one a season and a half running on these tires. We're now finally starting to understand. And then the FIA says, "Ah, sorry, we're changing a bunch of parameters on the cars. Uh, sort your tires out to compensate." It's like oh, Jesus, it's a vicious circle. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, 
I mean, we're going we're gonna, uh, we're gonna to get into 26 and they're going to do it again. You know, Pirelli yeah. will have these tires. But I, I, I think I do not. I need to look it up. I need to look at what if if it's published, what is their target letter in terms of what they're trying to achieve with the compounds? Because the fact is, is that said in chat is the one stop is often the most viable strategy and everybody can do it. That that mm-hmm. doesn't that's not great. And another problem is that we don't have another series. We also have huge performance differences between cars, and that is Formula One. Like I don't, I don't think we should change that. If you, if you want to see that the parity, go to a spec series like IndyCar, which has phenomenal racing. The product is excellent. The competition is fierce. Sports cars, you have BOP to ensure that you can have these cars competing. Um, endurance races, there's there is strategy variation. It is a refueling spec. You know, an hour's worth of fuel, roughly. So be it. But like, yeah. uh, I, I, I feel I like. I feel like Pirelli have missed it on this tire set on the 18 inch. Like they're robust. We can push and fight for laps and laps and laps, but we've missed the other aspect, which is any kind of strategy variability. And yeah, I can't, I can't fix F1. I'm not going to pretend to be able to. However, seeing as we're just doing things for banter now in the FIA, may I suggest uh, we remove the mandatory pit stop altogether. And Hey, look, if Williams want to shit house a hard tire from the start and try to get it to the end of the race, let them. Why not? You know, uh, don't, but don't make it easy. No, make it so the tire is going to be dead. You know, uh, in the last sort of two or three laps, and just say, you know, trance it. Give a give a team a chance. Why not? Um, and what was my other suggestion? Oh, bring back the gaps in the compound. I don't know. I don't know why we we tried it a few races and it just disappeared. But you had like C three. C1, C0. Yeah. Like, what happened to that gap? Why don't we do that? I thought that was actually quite interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. But there's, 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 I think, I think this is opening up a bigger discussion with um, the YouTube chat. And we can hang out and chat after the, the episode, but I think we need to get to some of our, uh, some of our regular segments. Cause I know you guys, if you're listening to this, we've gone quite long and you guys are enjoying us in your car and maybe you're sat outside your house cause you don't want to go inside. You're hanging out with us. And that's totally okay, but I think we should uh, we should head over to uh, Fraud Watch. Fraud Watch. This is the Fraud Watch, where we uh, we put somebody on blast every weekend. So um, yeah, like Monza, uh, Dan, you had Alpine, I had Haas. I don't remember what they had. Singapore was Perez, and I got the FIA. Japan, we both put Perez on Fraud Watch. Qatar, who's getting your Fraud Watch vote of the week? Dan? Uh, whoever designed and signed off the Illuminati pyramid curbs. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. You're never going to know who they are because they're the Illuminati, you dork. <laughs> the Illuminasties. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I wonder if anybody in the live stream right now can predict who I'm going to put on Fraud Watch. It's for sure Pirelli. It's for sure Pirelli. Like, I just... I'm not crazy about it. Perez, the FIA, some other suggestions in chat. Fair enough. So, that's... I think that's a straightforward fraud watch. There was a lot of contenders, I think, this yeah. this week. But, uh, no, I think the Illuminati pyramid curbs. Yeah, those were, those were pretty crack. The one world government <laughs> track designers with their flat their flat track designs. Yeah, fair enough. But why don't we talk about... Oh, you, 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 who's a good boy? I am. I'm a good boy. 
I, I'm I'm a good boy. Who's a good boy this weekend, Dan? Uh, I'm gonna give it to the McLaren pit crew. The fastest their... pit crew in the pit lane. Yeah, their 1.8 second pit stop, Boom. which some of my uh, former friends from uh, Red Bull took it very well, as I saw on LinkedIn. A couple of them updated their bios to say former world record holder. <laughs> I was like, yep, they're taking it well. Oh, get wrecked. You know what? But I, that's the kind of thing. This this is, this is you know, everybody, there's, there's all sorts of challenges. There's all sorts of levels of excellence that people are striving. And one of those things is, it's a very coveted thing, is who is holding the world record of pit stops. And right now, McLaren, um, the hand over fist, they've had such huge improvements. I did a video about their improvements on YouTube. And I also did a video about Aston Martin's Flexi Wings recently so if you're into those things so the rises and falls performance and how things come about check that check those two videos out i think they'll be worth your time but yeah uh, i'm gonna give sergeant the, the good boy this week because let's let's put it this way as as much as martin and I, I don't have any beef with martin at all i think martin is a spectacular commentator no, let's with, start some let's start some beef get some no, notoriety, no, I, notoriety going. No, i have i have no interest in beef I, I think martin's awesome and i think he adds a lot of value to the broadcast i just don't agree with that point and i feel like it's a bit of a old school view i don't even think his son alex agrees with that point because alex was making some comments to the other direction which is you know what let people have opinions i, I don't think it's a a good advocation but at the same time uh sergeant pulled out of the race because he was like something bad's going to happen if I keep driving. I am so physically ill. Uh, it's not the first time we've had. We had Mark Weber uh, retire from China back in the day because he was chundering in his helmet. The video on YouTube is disgusting. He's like, I'm box, box. Oh, yeah, dude, the old crackly, super shit analog comms on the radios. But um, yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm going to vomit in my helmet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. Um, so, you know, Sargent's had a tough couple of races, and this was not easy for him to say, you know what, yeah. I, I need to dip out of this. And his engineers were like, dude, it's okay. And he's, you could tell him fighting it. It was like that, that need to be macho as fuck. It's like, dude, for what? You know, so good, good on him. Seriously, I thought that was super cool. Um, Yeah. Alcon, yeah. def Alcon definitely chundered in his helmet during the race. Yeah. Yeah. Passing out in the car and not DNFing. Yeah, exactly. So that's the end of the Qatar Grand Prix. We've got Austin coming up next weekend. I will be out in Austin and I will be sharing some really cool stuff with you guys over on Instagram throughout the week. I'm not sure if I've got any videos coming. Um, we may or may not get a podcast out next week in a timely manner because i'll be traveling back from the u.s monday night uh so we'll see oh, i'll i think we might be able to do something but the, the other thing is i'll be out at the track saturday and sunday and once i get more details about that i will share with you guys what i'm doing and i might even be able to sneak in a cheeky live stream but it's also really difficult to live stream from inside of the circuit grounds without getting uh smacked down by farm because if you show anything to do with anything on track, they'll be like, nope, you're fucked. Uh, one day, FOM will wake up to the world of live streaming and the fact that you, all of our friends here, the way we consume media is not by watching the F1 TV broadcast. It's not the Sky broadcast. We're investing lots of time into small communities, creators, and other people to enjoy the sport. We are live all the time. 
the TV broadcast ends Sunday. We do not stop. We're posting videos and content every day. And uh, one day they will understand that we can help them achieve their goal of world domination uh, and generating infinite revenue by letting us help them make money. And they can just throw us a chunk of change. We'll be happy with peanuts. My dogs are going mental again. I'll <laughs> so, let you. I'll let you close this bit off, and I'll be back in a second. All right, cool. Uh, Dan, uh, if you if you're on audio listeners right now, uh, you can see Dan holding the puppy. Uh, I was going to say something gruesome, but I I love animals too much to even joke about that. But um, yeah. So my closing points are: I've got the new Break F One podcast, which is like small, digestible, 20, 30 minute technical segments. Um. I'll be doing some hopefully discussions with other engineers and guests on that. I think we'll find a bit of value uh, for that throughout. And it's, it's easier for me because Dan, um, you know, it's, we have to, we have to schedule times and is if I'm live, I can just be like, right, throw something together. So we've got that. What do we got about this Williams thing going on? You, you got something in the notes here. Yes. Williams uh, esports team are doing an iRacing event uh, and endurance an endurance race uh, six hours before the U.S. Grand Prix, and we have been invited to enter a team. Ooh. So it's during the so, U.S. Grand Prix weekend? Yep. What track is it? Uh, oh, an American one. Is it Petit Le Mans, or was that last weekend? No, that was last weekend. Oh, fine. Damn it, I've forgotten. Um, reel off some American tracks for endurance racing. Road America, oh, Road not Atlanta. Not Daytona. Oh, it might have been Road Atlanta. Road Atlanta. Road Hot Atlanta, baby. I love Road Atlanta. There you go. That's the bit. Oh. No, Road Atlanta is the Petit Le Mans. Was it? Oh, I don't. I don't bloody know, do I? Fraud. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Too. If you wanna, if you wanna join in, it's free to enter. Um, if it's the Glen, our Discord. If it's the Glen, I'm so disappointed because I freaking love the Glen, and I think that's something I would like to be doing over the winter is getting the community involved in some iRacing events because I've got the sim yeah, rig. we'll do it for sure. I've got the sim rig sat here. I'm not able to use it much because F1 is 24 freaking weekends a year. Um, I know there's a lot of you guys interested in that. And I think another avenue of content is engineering, talking about engineering and how it applies to sports cars. So uh, you should talk to Grand Pooh Bear. I think he might enter. I don't know if he's around, but I also... The, I'm pretty sure Grand Pooh Bear is not in Austin because the new Mario game comes out and Mario is his jam. Okay. So, but yeah, if you want to take part or join in the future or whatever, I'll stick the Discord link in the show notes. Yep. Come join us. Have fun. Yeah. But um, for 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 podcast listeners, thanks for hanging out. 